Hello, everybody. Welcome to Beyond 360's Peak Performance Optimization Podcast with your hosts, Colton Chapman and Tristan Newman. We have big plans for this podcast, and we want to deliver profound knowledge and ideas in a casual, comfortable, and sometimes comical way to provide insights, motivation, and self-development education to as many people as we possibly can. We aren't psychiatrists or doctors. We are peak performance coaches that are here to share with you guys the knowledge that has helped us and so many of our clients live a happier, healthier life inside and out, as well as enjoying every step of the journey. Thanks for listening. All right. Awesome. So today I want to talk about behavioral patterns. Um, We touched on the subject the last podcast or podcast before. Um, and you know, I had a, a, a listener that asked for a little bit more, you know, in-depth information on it, how they work and things like that. So what I'll start with is a, a simple concept that is sometimes hard to, to differentiate. And that is that you are not your patterns, right? And your patterns are just a, the way that your behavior automatically kind of creates itself, right? When you are going throughout your day, there's a probably a million different things you do that are just kind of automatic. You know, when you roll out of bed, you get up, you start brushing your teeth, you take a shower, whatever. Are you really thinking about those things? No, they're just kind of a habit, right? You just kind of go through the motions. So these behavioral patterns are created usually at a young age, but they can happen at almost any time in your life. They're created by a strong uh, association that happens uh, in your past. So let's say, you know, we were talking before this um, uh, about the dog, right? As an example, if, if a young child is bitten by a dog as a kid, their mind goes to work associating the dog with danger, right? And pain. So then what, what happens is you get this behavioral pattern where the person is averse to dogs, you know, they're afraid of dogs. So even if a little chihuahua comes out when they're 25 years old, if they got, you know, attacked as a kid, a lot of times that little chihuahua comes out and they go, ah, and they freak out, right? Because their brain has created that association that a dog can bite and hurt you. So the thing that's funny about the brain is that the brain and the mind, they don't differentiate between something that's happening now and a thought about something that's happened in the past. So if you're like, if you're nervous about something, it's your, your body will almost reconnect with uh, like a past experience where that happened, right? So when, when let's say, let's say we'll use a common behavioral pattern that, that happens to a lot of people, which is like mindless eating, right? Good one. It's, it's a great one. So, and, and I'm, you know, I do this myself, everybody does this to a certain extent, but when you get bored, right, your brain just starts kind of turning and starts looking for things that it wants to do. It starts trying to figure out a way to cure this boredom, right? And a lot of times without even thinking about it, you might be thinking about something else. Next thing you know, you're like looking at yourself and you're going, what, when did I start, you know, grabbing this snack or when did I start eating this? Like, how, how did this happen? Right. And what that is, is that at a certain point in time, 
your body created an association that it, you know, this eating thing is exciting and it, it will fill my brain. So, okay, when I'm bored, I'm just going to go eat. It creates that association. You associate that eating with feeling better or, or you know, being entertained in some way. And it, it just continues to recreate itself that way. So um, whenever, whenever we're talking about behavioral patterns too, you know, we're talking about that associated emotion that was with it. Um, something that I find pretty interesting is that, you know, I, I kind of hit on it earlier when I said that your, um, your, your brain can't differentiate between something that's happening now and something that's happened in the past. So <clears throat> if, if you, let's say, associate, um, you know, that food with entertainment, you might feel like you're, you're doing a good thing for yourself. But in reality, if you really connect with your mind at that moment, if you say you're eating potato chips or tackies or something like that, right? You connect with yourself at that moment and you say, wow, you know, really I'm not feeling better. Like this doesn't, this isn't entertaining for me right now. I don't want to really be doing this. This is going against my diet against my goals, yeah. but yet here I am, right? So, you know, these behavioral patterns, that's all great and all. Everybody knows that there's incongruence in their behavior and their thoughts, right? You want to be a certain way and it's hard to do that. So what's awesome about learning about behavioral patterns is the fact that just shining the light in that darkness and just bringing attention to the, that pattern itself is going to allow you to catch it in time when it's happening. So rather than, you know, like we said earlier, where all of a sudden you just notice you're eating and you're like, what the heck, why am I eating? And you just keep going about it. Now it's in the conscious mind. So when you start, you know, mindlessly going towards something, all of a sudden you catch it and you go, oh, wait a second. I'm doing that thing again. Crap. I, I, I wasn't thinking and I just started going towards the snacks. Right. And knowing that, seeing it and catching it in the act, you know, in the action as it's happening is how you then defeat that behavioral pattern. So you catch it and you say, oh, I'm doing that thing again. It's time for me to stop. And what we want to do is then recreate a new behavioral pattern that serves us better. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And what, what we have to think about is this could be happening in any type of behavior. You know, Absolutely. like Colton said, the best thing you can do is start shining a light around those things and, and ask questions like, why am I doing this certain behavior? Why am I scared of this? And, and ask like, what emotional tie is driving that that behavior? Because if yeah. you did by a dog at, at a young age, maybe it's time to to start dealing with that and just becoming emotionally intelligent. Um, after you get good at at identifying your your behaviors, is going to be key. Just to be mindful and and you know just continue in your self improvement overall. Yeah. Absolutely. And I mean, mindfulness is literally the key to solving your behavioral, you know, issues, we'll call them or dilemmas. Um, and, you know, everybody has behaviors that they, you know, perform, we'll say that are just automatic that they don't like, you know, say you get frustrated really easily at traffic or, you know, the, the mindless eating thing, or say, you know, you let, you let time get away from you throughout the day. You don't go do your workout. 
So the key is in the, the grand scheme of things is to become more mindful and then start to identify what behavioral patterns are serving you and which ones are hindering you. Right. right? And my, my personal favorite way of doing that is journaling. And I know you're really big into journaling. Um, so, you know, kind of explain to the listeners a little bit about how journaling can help you become more mindful and help you to start to kind of change and, and adjust those behavioral patterns. I think the coolest thing about journaling is looking back on those times, uh, even last year, and looking at the words you were using. And you can kind of jump back into that mindset and think, wow, that was before I knew this stuff and before I grew in this area. Or if you sound the same as you were, you know, last year, why are you the same? You know, yep. what, you know, you can start asking questions like that. Like, why didn't I grow or why didn't I change in this area? And just asking why, you know, now you can think about the future and apply those lessons in that way and you can journal about the future and and another thing that's really cool about journaling would be to kind of learn from your mistakes and and be able to throw your thoughts onto a sheet of paper is incredibly helpful in in the act of decompressing from any scenario or you know if it's a negative scenario maybe you want to decompress but if it's a a positive scenario, maybe it can help you appreciate it even more to where you're like, you know, when you're actually writing this stuff out, you can use words to, to make it sound a different way, or you can explain uh, certain parts of that occurrence and in a way that kind of makes it even more beautiful in the long run. Yeah. And, and be able to live in more like gratitude and stuff like that, you know, right. um, I, I think one thing I love about journaling that this is like how I like to kind of imagine it in my head is it's like words are the weapons of your mind. Like the, your words are your tools of engaging with yourself, your own thought patterns in the outside world. Mm -hmm. And if you want to change your mind and, and your thought processes, you have to change the way you speak to yourself. You have to change the words that you use and you have to adjust the way that you think, the way you talk in your own mind. Yeah. So journaling is like a tangible way of working out your thoughts, if that makes sense. It, it's literally like a, a, a thinking workout. And you, know, you can go through there and, and do all kinds of things uh, with journaling. You can you know, write out your behavioral patterns that aren't serving you, like I was saying earlier, and, you know, get like a good grand scheme picture, because a lot of these things are just automatic. You don't, you don't even really notice them until you really are mindful about them. You write them down, you get a list out and you go, wow, you know, I've been trying to get in shape, but I've been mindlessly eating. I've been skipping workouts. I've been, you know, uh, getting depressed about my results and feeling bad about it and not wanting to do it, you know, whatever, all these different you know, thinking uh, processes, beliefs and stuff like that, that aren't serving you, get those out on paper so that you can see them in front of you and have them listed out. And just doing that by itself is going to feel like you're offloading. Like, okay, I got some of that weight off. It's not just buzzing around in my head. Uh, 
it's actually on paper. Yeah. And then you can go about the process of then recreating new patterns. God, and I'm glad, I'm glad you said that because the first thing I do when I get stressed and let's say I have like a busy schedule or, or, you know, I've kind of put together that stress in my life is directly linked uh, to lack of planning or preparation. Yes. So if I notice that I'm feeling a little foggy or a little like, uh, I don't know, maybe I'm missing something or I don't want to be late for something. You get this anxiety. Yeah. And if, if I write my, yeah, if I, if I write out my schedule and I'm like, okay, I know 4.30, I got to do this. I know uh, 5.30, I got to do this. And I'm like, anything else? Nope. All right. Now I can relax until 4.30, you know? And you can kind of like give yourself permission uh, in a way after you write it down. And there's something different about looking at it. And same thing with journaling to connect this back to journaling. You know, when you look at your day on a sheet of paper, you can say, wow, even in my words, I'm talking about food a lot. Or even in my words, you know, I'm talking about how I'm kind of depressed. Why am I depressed? Or maybe you knew that before and you learned something else. You know, it's like when you when it goes, when that information goes through your retinas into your brain, that's a completely different pattern than coming from your brain and out on your hand. It's a completely different pathway using different parts of the brain. So you notice different things. Yeah, that's actually a really interesting uh perspective on it too because yeah you're right it's it's a whole different way of of kind of connecting that in information and creating associations absolutely and yeah i mean it i think once people start to actually do this and that's the hard part is that you know nobody wants to journal i i can almost guarantee you probably 99 percent of people who watch this are going to be like ah, i don't want to journal like and this is the thing fun. this is the thing about but, trying trying new things is you have to understand that your brain is consciously or subconsciously rather wired to look for rewards and and the best chance of reward versus pain and suffering so it's constantly defaulting to the easiest path to reward constantly yeah so if you're trying to connect that to a behavior or you're trying to connect that to, you know, trying something new like journaling, you know, the first initial thought is that sounds new and, you know, a little iffy, you know, and that's subconscious. Yeah. The subconscious, like I don't see a reward guaranteed there, but you have to realize that that's what your brain is wired to do. You have to try it out and, and associate that thing. If you know, it's good for you with something positive, you know, like you first have to understand like you're in control of your body. Your brain gives you information and makes you, you know, maybe want something over another thing. You have to know like you're making decisions here. Dude, I love that. And actually that that's a huge aspect that I try to bring into the light for a lot of people is that there's this feedback loop thing that happens and you can either let it control you or you can create whatever life you want with it so it's like if you know your brain and your body are this adaptation machine this association machine 
that then creates all these automatic behaviors and habits. If you let that drive you, it's going to operate in a, a method of survival, which is a, exactly. you know, out of fear, right? So it's automatically going to do the things that are kind of natural to you that are normal or whatever. And those are the, the you know, behaviors that haven't been serving you. So you're just going to keep going through that same cycle, whatever problems you've been facing, you're just going to keep facing them. Or you can literally take that and flip it on its head and use that and start to create the behavioral patterns that are going to serve you to then build your life. So everything begins and ends in the mind, right? Exactly. I mean, we're, we experience it as we're talking. As everyone, I wish everyone could like know this for a fact. Like we're talking from, yes, a place of authority. Like we know this information, but we're also talking about, you know, we are experiencing this as we upload every podcast or as we oh, make yeah. every video. We're experiencing a sense of fear. Like, oh no, what if people hate this? And, you know, you know, a lot of it comes down to that fear of suffering or, you know, being an outcast, a fear of rejection or criticism, you know, yeah. and that's yeah, what your brain automatically you. associates it. The ironic thing about fear while we're on this subject is the very thing that you're fearing often comes to fruition out of the result of your behavior due to the fear. Yes. And let me paraphrase that, what I just said. It's like the if you're scared of being rejected or you're scared of pissing someone off, I guarantee you eventually, if you keep acting like that, you will be rejected and piss people off. Yeah, I guarantee you. It. And it, it happens like this, guys. It's like, let's say you're trying to make friends and everyone knows that person in your friend group that just tries way too hard. Or like that person in, in high school, you know, that, that just tried way too hard to be funny and make friends and they come off, they come off annoying or, you know, maybe a little clingy, but you can sense that, that, that they're a little unsure and they, they want this a little bit too much. So it causes a sense of distrust. Um, so that you know, that chain of events comes out to them not having friends, which is exactly what they fear. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. In being afraid of rejection, they behaved in a way that ended up creating that exact rejection or just leaving them out of the friend group at all. Because if exactly. you're afraid of rejection, what do you normally do is you just avoid the situation altogether. You just don't talk to anybody. If, if we were letting if we let our fear of being rejected not, or, you know, if we let that fear of being rejected allow us to not post any podcasts or not post any videos, then the fear came to fruition. Right. We never <laughs> I mean, got anywhere. We didn't build yeah. the business that we wanted to build. Right. We didn't help people the way we wanted to help because we were too we were, afraid to do it. Yeah. If we we're afraid to fail. Well, the surefire way to fail is to not start. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. That's, that's so true, dude. And I mean, you know, I think kind of bringing it back to that behavioral pattern aspect, like journaling and doing everything that we're talking about is what 
in time is going to allow you to start making all of those behaviors serve you and bring you what you need and what you want. Yeah. Right. So if let's, let's, let's make an example, right. So that we can really make this concrete for people. So let's say, um, you know, our, our common habit is we get real defeated because we feel like we're not getting results. So we don't go to the gym, right. There's a self-defeating behavior right there. That yeah. happens to a lot of people all the time. I like where you're going with this. Yeah. It, and this is super common. Keep it going. So, so they, you know, the, the person, let's say, you know, they go to the gym a couple of times. It's really hard and, you know, they don't see results immediately. So they start to create this association that, oh, I can't get in shape or it's, you know, it's not working for me or whatever. And so once they've created that thought pattern and association, then they start to feel bad, right? They start to feel depressed. Oh, I can't make it. I can't do it. I can't do this. You know, this just isn't for me, whatever. And in doing so in being depressed, that deteriorates their motivation and their dedication. It, it tells their brain, well, there's no point in doing this. So why are you even going to do it? And then, then they find it difficult to pull themselves out of that that pit to get to the gym right so yeah. with this example let's say that that person who's having this issue with with this you know depressive feedback loop they're creating you know sees that behavioral pattern and says okay i'm i'm feeling so down about not getting results that i'm now not going to the gym so i am creating you know my own problem i'm i'm creating that self-fulfilling prophecy so what i'm going to do is when I see myself start to feel bad about the fact that I'm not getting results, instead of just feeling that way, I'm going to be mindful about it. I'm going to notice it and go, oh, I'm still depressed because I'm not getting my results immediately. And then you can flip that around and you can say, okay, what can I do in this situation to serve myself? And Let's, there's all kinds of different answers to that. Let's say when you start feeling defeated and beat down, you know, you can write in your journal about what you're grateful for or whatever, you know, what you are succeeding in. Another I want to touch on that right there. I want to touch on that really quick. Yeah, go because ahead. Because I, I think sometimes we have a bad habit of saying, I feel depressed. Let me think about only positive things to, to then change my depression but what about sitting with your depression and asking why am i depressed let's talk about that in my journal let's be brave here and courageous and say okay why do i feel sad today and and start to understand that and yeah. and come at that from a place of love and say you know maybe i feel sad and I'm not, I, I'm not sad as, you know, labeling yourself. Right. You're not identifying with the emotion. You're just right. experiencing. Right. But yeah, just, I just want to touch on that because you don't always have to change your emotion, but just be yeah. mindful of it and, and observe it and see, you know, start to ask questions about it. Well, and there you go. There's another alternative. You can sit down, you can journal about it, try to figure out why am I feeling this way? And let's, let's continue with that. Let's go down that rabbit hole a little bit. Let's say you sit down and you journal and you, you, you face that depression. You say, okay, well, why am I really feeling depressed? Because I haven't 
seen my results yet. Well, okay, let's, let's look at reality here. How long have you been working out? You know, how many workouts have you done consistently? Have you been doing the behaviors that it requires or that are required to see your success? You know, maybe you answer that, you say, you know what? No, if I'm really being honest with myself, haven't been doing my workouts as consistently as I should. I haven't been eating as consistently as I should. So I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to flip this and I'm going to reward myself for having a new perspective on that issue. And, and I'm going to literally feel better about the fact that, hey, I know this now and I am going to make different decisions and I'm going to make those decisions into new habits. Like, for instance, you know, let's say you create a habit of every day when I wake up, I'm going to go and I'm going to go for a one mile run. It might be short, might only take me 10 minutes, whatever, but I'm going to get that done. That's going to be an automatic thing. Every morning when I wake up, I'm going to go for a, at least a one mile run so that I start my day off by getting some calories burnt and going towards my goal, right? That would be a tangible uh, behavioral approach or, you know, a behavioral change to be able to elicit the results that, that you're trying to get. Right. And by feeling proud of yourself and happy about the fact that you have made this new decision and that you created this new behavior pattern. Now, all of a sudden, the dopamine and the serotonin are flowing because you literally feel happy. Right. You're you're happy. You're proud of yourself. You're like, man, I made a change. I did something different. And all you have to do at that point is just stay mindful and continue to repeat that pattern over and over and create that new association where now you're associating this new behavior of running a mile with feeling better and getting closer to your goals. It becomes more concrete, it sticks. Yeah. And in time, it just becomes your life. It becomes you. Make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I want to have anything wanted- you want to go off on that. Dude, yes. I like this story. I remember we were listening to, um, I wish I could remember his name. He was the, the neuroscientist on Ed Milet's podcast. Yes, dude. Oh um, my God. I love that. And he that was talking podcast. about how, um, we'll have to- Huberman. What's Dr. His, Huberman. Is it Andrew Huberman? I think so. Andrew Huberman. Yeah. Okay. Genius. Well, hopefully that's right. I'm sorry, Andrew, if it's wrong, but um, listen, you- he was talking about the uh, the process of dopamine being released in like while you're on the journey to something great, and how are we breaking up? Yeah, it cut out for a second. Just repeat what you said because I don't know yeah. if it's gonna record that, right? Yeah, of course. Okay, so yeah, he was talking about how the the act of releasing dopamine. Um, on the way to something great is just as important as finding that greatness at the end of the journey. Yeah. So he, he used the, the, uh, the analogy of finding a creek before in the middle of the desert before you find the oasis or the, the lake, in a sense. So, you, you know, you get a drink out of the creek. Maybe it's not all you need to sustain yourself. It's not the great goal that you have in your life, or it's not losing 100 pounds or having ripped arms uh maybe it's not all you're looking for but you ran a mile today or you know you walked your ten thousand steps or 
you know, you did your journal and that alone is take, you know, taking that step towards knowing the fact that it's intentionally towards your end goal will have just as much dopamine released for that action as the end action. And just be aware that your end goal, and this is why we say, you know, it's a, it's the journey is the reward. Okay. But your end goal is not going to be as rewarding as the steps, you know, that create it on on the way. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, man, don't wait until you lose a hundred pounds to be happy. Be happy that you're on your way to losing a hundred pounds. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And I have to say, I mean, that just, that in itself has transformed the way that I think. And actually, if I'm not mistaken, I want to say that dopamine is actually released in higher amounts pursuing whatever it is you want than it is when you achieve it. So that's like why, um, uh, who was it that, that said this? Um, it was a comedian. I can't remember who it was now. He, he was talking about how he, you know, his goal was to, to make like $10 million or something. And he, you know, he made that goal and he worked his butt off and he finally got there. And then it was like one of the most depressing things in the world because he realized that it would, it didn't make him happy. Right. And that sent him on, on the journey to self-fulfillment. He's, you know, started meditating and all that sort of stuff. Jim Carrey. Um, yeah, that's that's who it was. It was Jim Carrey. Yeah. And yeah, I was going to say he has a famous he has a famous quote. He says, I wish everyone could be rich and famous so they know it doesn't solve their issues. Yes, exactly. And I'm not saying that being rich and famous is wrong. If that's a goal of yours, that's great. Pursue it. it but that is not the means to the end. It's actually Enjoy. the means that is the end. Right? Enjoy the journey. The journey is the reward. Exactly. Learn to love the process of wherever you're going. Yeah. Yeah. Love the process almost more than the reward. You have to reward the process itself more than you reward finishing. Yes. And, and in doing that, you, you create that, that pattern of always trying to, to feel the happiness that's in that situation. You know, what's crazy though. I feel like I got too good at enjoying the process and now i'm like i don't care if i finish but you know what there's something to be said and i'm glad you hit on that because there's a balance and i think um who was i, I think it was ed Milet that said something about um blissful uh how did he word it blissful discontentment essentially so essentially what he's saying is be blissful in wanting to pursue something like it's okay to want to pursue something it's healthy to want to grow and adapt and improve and get better or whatever so you know be happy about the fact that you are seeking something and seek it without an attachment to the exact outcome right? Be more attached to the pursuit of it. The fact that you, all right, you know what, like I'm getting after this, I'm going after my goals, I'm doing what I need to do. And when you start to do that, you just feel so much happier. And 
and you continue to do the the behaviors that that actually serve you and then you start to see that life that you really really want um real quick i want to hit one more thing and then i'm going to send it back to you because i'm curious your perspective on this and then i want to start wrapping it up too i was going to say yeah let's let's answer that question um the the last like little area i want to hit on this subject is is the the objective of happiness right since everything begins and ends in the mind what i always challenge people to ask themselves is why like why do you want to achieve this thing because sometimes a shallow goal can create self-consciousness so i'll use myself as an example you know when i first became a personal trainer i wanted to have the image right i wanted to have the abs and the biceps and all this stuff and so i you know that was my goal was to get shredded and ripped and buff and all this stuff and then as time progressed i started to realize like it just wasn't enough to get me motivated like i wasn't i wasn't excited to go work out to be ripped it just wasn't motivating to me and what I wasn't understanding at the time is that really my goal was not to be ripped and buff and all this stuff. My, my goal was to be accepted and loved by other people and accepted as a professional in this, in this you know, career. I wanted people to, I didn't want to be, uh, you know, pushed away and rejected like, oh, this guy doesn't know what he's talking about because he doesn't have ripped abs and some gigantic biceps. And once I realized that, and I started training to pursue actual happiness, which my happiness comes from feeling better, the actual feeling itself. Once I started training to feel better, all of a sudden I started getting those results that I wanted the whole time because I was seeing that achievement every time I did it. Every time I worked out, I felt better. I, you know, every time I ate right, I felt better. And I started going, wow, like really my goal with all of this was to be happier, not to have ripped abs. That was just a surface goal that was hiding this deep entrenched goal of being accepted and loved. Oh, dude. <laughs> that was awesome. right yeah i mean that's i think that that's one of the realest things i've heard in a long time you gotta pursue the feeling i just i think it's cool how like i don't know vulnerable you're like you know you were vulnerable when you said uh you know, you, you got to be aware of the fact that you just wanted to be accepted. Yeah. You know, and I think that's, that's a good thing to talk about right now. And I don't know, man, I think that's a lot of people, including myself, they want to feel accepted. So. Yeah. And know, I think know we- that. And, and just know, like I, like I kind of compared to the kid trying to, you know, have, you know, he wanted friends so bad, but he came off as annoying. But the fact that, you know, everyone knows he could be confident and just be, you know, fine that way and just have, you know, friends that way. So just work towards that, you know, be aware of your actions and, and know that like, that's your driving force is you want to feel accepted and that's okay. 
Yeah. You want to feel accepted. You want to feel loved. You want to feel safe. You know, there's all these, these major focuses of the human mind, the, the survival mechanisms. And, and really this is almost more of a thrival mechanism at that point is, you know, you want to feel comfortable. You want to feel happy. So if you make all of your pursuits to that feeling itself, like what, what fulfills me, what makes me happy, you know, what makes me feel better, then all of a sudden you start to achieve it versus trying to achieve that feeling through some exogenous mean, you know, you're not going to feel more respected when you get a beamer. You're not going to, you're not going to necessarily feel more loved. You might seem like you feel that because it, it might come from, you know, outside of yourself. People are like, oh, that's a cool car or whatever. But does that really fulfill you? Listen, I think if you put an idiot, like you, you take an idiot and everyone knows he's an idiot. <laughs> you, you take him out of his Honda Civic and you put him in a Beamer. He's still an idiot. Yeah. 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 No matter how what. <laughs> no, that's actually a, a really good example. It's funny, but it's a good example. I mean, you know, you, a, a lot of your pursuit of improvement actually has to do with who you are as a person, not what you have. And I think making that shift from seeking, you know, uh, seeking happiness and fulfillment from outside means when you start to go inside and say, okay, well, what is it about myself? Why do I not feel happy? Why do I not feel fulfilled? Whatever. And you start to journal those things and you start to figure out those behavioral patterns. You start to solve them. You start to create more behavioral patterns that, that, you know, serve you and you start to, to go for the goals that actually mean something to you. Then you're there. You're like you said, the, you know, the goal is the journey. Yeah. Okay, let's get to that question. Yeah, absolutely, man. Um, so who, who was it that asked this question? My buddy Shane. I go to jujitsu with him all the time. And, uh, you know, he hit me up on Facebook Messenger. He was like, hey, uh, what do you know about, you know, endurance supplements? He brought up beta alanine, uh, glutamine, um, and I think one more. But, you know, I sent him some a peer reviewed article right back uh, talking about how, you know, beetroot has been shown to improve endurance um, and sauna use, regular sauna use has been shown to increase time to exertion. Um, and then I know you had a few ideas as well. Yeah, absolutely. And that is an awesome one. Even though it's not like a chemical supplement, uh, the sauna thing is, is great. Um, heat shock. It, I mean, there's so many different studies coming out about the things that it can do for you. Yeah. Um, but some of the chemical supplements, the ones that you can actually buy off the shelf and, and use, um, there's actually some, some pretty good ones. Uh, one of the main ones that I recommend to most pe people is salt pills. Um, these are essentially just an electrolyte supplement that are in the form of a pill. And the reason I recommend those to most people is because usually when you get cramps and you're doing endurance activities, it has to do with an imbalance between electrolytes and, and water in your body. So if you have way too much water and not enough electrolytes, you can cramp and vice versa. 
but it's usually because of not having enough electrolytes and having too much water. So if you take a, a drink, then you're not changing that, that uh, balance much, right? By taking a salt pill with no water, now you're adjusting that, that balance. And I have never taken a salt pill or salt pills, you know, two hours before my endurance uh, event or whatever, and had cramps. It never happened. Every time I take them, my cramps are gone. And that was one of the biggest issues that I had with any sort of endurance activity. Um, now that that's kind of an indirect one, right? Because you're just kind of, you're getting rid of a, a, a symptom of, of, you know, endurance, but <clears throat> there's also some that kind of work proactively. One that's really common is just some sort of glucose supplement because your body operates off of glucose um, and fat at those long, you know, durations. So taking it in the form of a gel or, you know, something like that along the way can help to give you the energy to, to continue. Yeah. Um, I've even seen some of those gels have, um, you know, some electrolytes in them as well. Yeah. Yeah. And you can, I, I, I think it's usually the gel has electrolytes and, um, and the carbs in them and they have other things in there too. Mm -hmm. some of which we'll, we'll hit on um, in a second. But one that I thought was really interesting was caffeine. And I was telling you this, uh, I don't know, a couple of days ago or something, yeah. but caffeine in studies has shown to actually reduce the sensation of effort. It, it reduces um, your, your tolerance, or I'm sorry, increases your tolerance for endurance activity. So it actually makes you feel like you're not working as hard as you, as you would, if you didn't take it. I wonder if that applies to, um, like a desk job as well. I'm sure it does. Absolutely. I mean, when you, it, it yeah, when, you, when you said it like that, like it decreases your, uh, or increases rather your you know, tolerance for work that could apply there too. I think. Anyway, yeah, go ahead. I mean, that could be, a major, you know, reason for the increase in productivity that comes with caffeine. Right. Um, beyond, beyond the stimulant factor, obviously. Right. Yeah. Beyond the focus and stuff like that. Um, one thing uh, that, that I also uh, really liked the idea of too, which was kind of interesting because as a trainer, you know, for the longest time, I never really talked about this to clients um, cause you don't think about it is protein. Um, protein is, is very, very necessary to repair, um, you know, damaged cells. And when you are going on a, an endurance, uh, activity, like a run or something like that, you are, you know, breaking down that muscle mass and you're breaking down, you know, uh, different tissues in the body and they have to rebuild themselves. So making sure you're getting adequate protein is important for making sure that you recover properly so that you can then perform to your, you know, your best uh, performance the next time that you come back. Yeah, I like how you're saying that because, I mean, it might not necessarily mean you're going to run longer, but in, if you zoom out macro-wise, take care of your body, you're going to run longer. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And zoom out is actually a, a great term for that. If you look at the bigger picture, the longer, you know, term here, 
by making sure that you're recovering properly between workouts, you can have better output, better performance the next workout. And that creates that positive feedback loop to get better results. For sure. Um, did you have any other uh, endurance supplements that you wanted to hit on? Dude, honestly, my biggest one is going to be the sauna. Yeah. I'm a big believer there, but that's what I would leave people with. If you do anything for endurance, start with the sauna. Starts with, uh, you know, 10 minutes at a little over 100 degrees, you know, maybe 125 to start with. See how your body takes it, scale it up from there, you know. Some people are in 200 degree saunas. It's madness, Dang. but... But, you know, start out with 10 minutes uh, and, and Zoom, you know, I guess not Zoom, but you can go 10, 15, 25, you know, I like 30 minutes. The last five minutes can suck, but I like 30 yeah. minutes. So would you say based on, on your research and everything that it seems like 30 minutes is a, is a pretty good mark, a goal to try to shoot for? So if I can recall correctly, this study put endurance athletes in a sauna three times a week for 30 minutes, and okay. it, it ended up increasing their time to exhaustion uh, by 30-something percent. Wow. So, yeah, that's huge. And that's in a few weeks. And that's, um, and that's all at the top of my head. So I would have to, you know, do your own research people, but I think that's what it said. Yeah, if, if you're interested in doing any of your own research on the topic, you can look up heat shock or heat shock proteins, um, you know, sauna for endurance, something like that. Yeah. And there's so many studies coming out. I mean, there's some that are even saying that 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 heat shock that you get from a sauna can be almost like the, uh, the fountain of youth. Like it helps your your body to rebuild cells properly and um you know all kinds of stuff like that right i want to say it decreased all morbidity risk yeah uh, by like 70 percent or something crazy yeah well and it makes sense why we we feel so crappy we're never caught <laughs> you know what i mean we're, yeah we're addicted to comfort a lot of times and i mean yeah if you if you don't find yourself regularly discomfort or in discomfort, you're probably going to have some weakness, at, you know, every once in a while. So again, just work on one thing at a time. If you're trying to lose hundred pounds, you know, this might not be the first thing you want to focus on. Um, obviously it might help, uh, but you know, there's bigger things to worry about. If you're an endurance athlete and you've done everything else and then you start the sauna, you're going to get more out of that. Yeah. Yeah. I love it, man. Well, that's a lot of freaking good information. Um, is that pretty much cover everything that you've got? Yeah, I'm good with that. Perfect. Well, it was a good, uh, good podcast as usual. And uh, I'll look forward to, to doing the next one. We're going to have some new questions on next time as well. We'll always try to answer at least one question from listeners. So if you guys have a question, please shoot it over to us either in our DMS on, you know, Facebook or any social media, or you can also uh, email us as well. Um, and we'll put that email up for you guys. So you can see it on our, uh, on our social.
Okay, so and just know our our Instagram is beyond three sixty dot fitness. Uh, Facebook is beyond three sixty dot fitness. Um, I think that's the main ones. I think TikTok is just beyond three sixty. Okay, so. it, it just beyond three sixty, all one word. Yeah. Okay. okay. Yeah. Hit us up on there. We're always willing to talk, or if you want to chat anytime, just let me know. See you. Absolutely.